Welcome to the CityDAO podcast. I'm your host, Eric Gilbert Williams. CityDAO is exploring decentralized asset ownership on chain, starting with a simple piece of land purchased in Wyoming during 2021. Each parcel of land becomes an NFT that can be owned collectively by the DAO or by individuals just like you and me. CityDAO is a DAO. In other words, it's a decentralized autonomous organization, meaning that land governance, treasury, and other things, including this show you're listening to right now, are all managed by the community. Check out the FAQ at citydao.io to learn more, or check out the CityDAO Discord channel to get all the latest updates. Now let's get started with the show. Welcome back, everybody, to the CityDAO pod, where we talk about network cities, the network state, the future of human civilization, and a ton of other relevant subjects. The easiest way for you to support the show is to please just take five seconds of your time. Subscribe, like us, and leave a little one-liner positive review. It actually goes a long way with the search algorithms, and it's literally my only ask of you here today. Now, as of this year, CityDAO is the first to put real-world physical land ownership into a DAO LLC and to put the governance of that land on-chain via NFTs. The intention of CityDAO is to take steps towards a better functioning civilization for us all. So remember to join the discussions on our Discord and follow us on Twitter. Your voice matters a lot. Your input is important. And join our Discord chatter. So here with us today on the pod is Dakota, the founder of Cohere, a co-living project fresh out of Techstars Accelerator with a vision to change how we perceive and live together. That's my own words, but Dakota is going to explain that in his own words very soon. You can find them online at cohere.network. That's C-O-H-E-R-E.network. There's going to be links to that in the show notes to this episode, as well as the Twitter link and LinkedIn and all that kind of good stuff. Just check the show notes and it'll all be there. Now, Cohere is helping people travel to the most desirable locations on earth, in my own words, through one single membership ownership structure. And actually, this is very related to the principles of the network state. So here today, we're going to talk a lot about co-living, the future of living, what it means to live within a global community, and much more. As you guys know, I spent several months living in a hacker house with 14 people in a co-living environment during COVID. It was fantastic, and it really changed my perspective of life in a huge way. It was a huge thing. So we're going to talk also about the network state industry as a whole. And this is something that's on my mind a lot. Like, where is this industry all going? And without further ado, though, let's just dive right in. Dakota, how are you doing, man? Go ahead. Good to be here with you. Right on, right on. And now, fellow founder to fellow founder, tell me, whereabouts are you right now? And what's the, what's the climate like there? Yeah, currently in Malibu at the moment. I started Cohere with two other co-founders, uh, Devin and Josh. Devin is over on the East Coast and Josh is in Ecuador. So at the moment, we're kind of spread across the world. So for people that don't know, we're talking Malibu in California, right? Just off of, uh, just yep. I guess that's just west of LA, right? Southwest that's or right. west? North. Yeah, north. predominantly north. In that direction. I'm, I'm somewhere in the right direction. So now you did Techstars LA, is that right? We did the Techstars Anywhere program that's really focused on companies that are all over. And so, yeah, it was really potent to go through the program. Very impressed with the whole experience. So anyone that's listening to this right now and you're either a startup founder or you're thinking of becoming a startup founder, here's a little lay of the land. Techstars is an accelerator. It supports a lot of different types of startups. There's a lot of them out there. Obviously, Y Combinator is the biggest and baddest everyone wants in. And Techstars is one of the the other big, big names in the game. And if I remember correctly, when you get into the program, they give you something like 200K on a convertible note with a val cap at like 2.5 mil or something like that. And I think it converts, I think it's equitable right away. How close was I? Real close. So how many people were in the batch with you? Uh, 11 other companies. And how many of them knew what the network state was? None of them, really. It was interesting. <laughs> we were, I would say, the most game B out of the cohort. 
in a big but what's thing a game B? Us, Break that down for me. What's that mean? Yeah, I forget if it's Jim Rudd or Jordan Hall coined the term, I forget which, or maybe both of them. But this idea that, at least the way I think about this term, is you have this regular status quo of society, game A. And how do we move into building an entirely new alternative model? And that's what we're really after with Cohere is how do we build that new system and how do we be a bridge? Because when you're stuck in the rat race in a certain lifestyle, it's really hard to get out of that. And equity and access to equity, which is a major component of social mobility, is one of those bridges we feel very strongly about and are very obsessed with, really, is how to provide access to equity for everyone. Because more and more people do not have access to equity. In the United States, if you look at the housing and urban development program in the 1950s and 60s, there was very specific subsidies for white Americans and not blacks. And if you look at the social disparity that emerged from those programs, it's very, very stark and it's really extreme. And we really believe that getting access to equity is so important for the health of our community and the health of our planet. That's one of the motions that we're really excited about. I never had it broken down to me. I, I've seen Game B a few times just online and reading, but when it's written abstractly like that, I didn't, I didn't understand what it, what it meant. So thanks for breaking that down. Now, there's a whole bunch of things that just connected in my mind and different articles that I've read and conversations I've heard. So basically, if we're looking at, let's say, Bitcoin as a foundational different way to shake up and add more transparency, et cetera, et cetera, all the cool stuff to our, let's say, global economic system. Mm. Is it fair to say that in this context of my new word of game B, that Bitcoin would be like a game B for economics? I think Bitcoin is in some ways. I mean, the inability for governments to mint more Bitcoin is an anti-inflationary aspect of it, I think is really very much in the game B ethos. So to me, yes. And the way that I've always said it so far to people I talk to and written about it is that to me, what Bitcoin is doing for global economics, the network state principles is doing or can do for global politics. That's how I've always phrased it. Mm, nice. And some people don't see that. And I mentioned Bitcoin first, not just because I'm a bit of a maxillist, but because it's a good example, right? Bitcoin's been around for how long? And the more mass adoption that occurs in Bitcoin, the more I'm going to call old school thinkers start to adopt it as well. And instead of looking at Bitcoin, and this is going to happen with network state principles too, but instead of looking at Bitcoin as, hey, wow, there's a new way of doing things. They look at it and they say, hey, wow, we can do the old things better, right? And that fundamental perspective difference, that differential creates a rift that is mirroring the rift that's always existed, the old way versus people that don't like the old way. And so now we got people that don't like the old way that introduced this new thing that the old way is trying to use to do more of the old way. And the new way, people are like, no, <laughs> that's yeah, not that's what a, this was for. <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. I think the network state evolution is so interesting at this time because there's such widespread collapse in so many of the systems. And so the trying to like fit the new technology into the old system at the same time that we have widespread system collapse, in my opinion, is really ironic versus like, no, 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 this tool and these tools actually allow us to build this new world that humanity has been talking about and dreaming into for decades, but like actually has practical uses that we can now employ. All right, Dakota, so tell us, what is Cohere in your own words? Yeah, Cohere is foremost a community of people who are motivated to collaborate and building out a global network of regenerative physical communities. One of the things that we're really focused on is kind of Maslow, Maslow hierarchy like around if we have the containers, how do we focus on building out the physical infrastructure for community with integrated food production, water retention, resilience beyond sustainability into actual regeneration? 
How do we organize a collective of people around the world to that goal of building out this infrastructure? And so, yeah, Cohere is a member-owned global network of innovation uh, co-living communities. You ready to have some fun banter from founder to founder? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. What's your five-word description? Yeah, we'd have this so... Because that was a lot, right? That That was a lot of detail. And some people are like, oh, well, I don't know what that means. It sounds cool and interesting. Yeah. A member-owned co-living community. Beauty. Beauty. That was actually pretty good. I was like, hmm, do I put you on the spot with that one? But, you know, it's fun banter stuff from founder to founder, right? No, and it's so interesting because like inside of the, in the game A investment world, there's this propensity to what is your monocrop business? You do the one thing and you replicate it and you spread Marriott all over the world. And it's stupid, easy to understand. And something that we struggle with is we're out to create a whole new, very complex system. And that's like with like all the work you guys are doing at CityDAO, it's complicated building new systems. There's a world of complexity inside of it. And so something we constantly struggle with is what is an ever-evolving decentralized organization? Like how the hell do you codify it at whatever phase of its evolution? And so it's something I find really interesting in the business world of being pulled to simplify, but then also wanting to exalt and articulate the complexity that makes a network state function. I agree with you. One of the reasons I really wanted to do this chat was because when we're looking at game B type reorganizing or shuffling the cards of how society works and looks, what does it touch on and apply to and what does it not touch on and apply to? And no one really knows the answers until after it's touched on and applied to it or not. But one of the valid questions is how does co-living fit or function in the future of civilization, let's say? I'm North American, so co-living is on a general basis, something that you don't aspire to do. You aspire to have your single family home or your condo or your nice yard or your private residence or your mansion or whatever it is, which are very solo type king of the castle experiences. Co-living. And here's my example. When I lived in this co-living environment for nine months with 14 people in the, uh, the hills of Cupertino, at first it was a shock. It was like, wow, I'm living in a dorm or something. Do I even have a bedroom? What is the bedroom and where does it end? I don't even know. And it was a big reality shock. I showed up in a rented Lexus with a nice, I wasn't wearing a suit, but I was wearing nice, formal, crisp, iron type attire. And I show up and it's like, oh yeah, find a mattress and flip it over. And then I think there's some sheets over there somewhere and (laughs) dinner will be ready in an hour and you'll be helping with dishes. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And then I showed up and man, that was some of the best steak I've ever had. That was a pretty damn good dinner. But after nine months of it, I fell in love with the culture, the community, the absolutely abundance of amazing, cool shit these people were doing. I'm talking like, these are just random people. These are NASA scientists, right? These are NASA engineers. These are Google X top secret employees. I I still don't know what they do. All I know is they work at Google X and they can't speak about half their life, right? And other founders and startup people and people that work just at the regular Google headquarters as well and Tesla. So fascinating people. There is no boring conversation in that environment. And everything is intellectually and physically stimulating and triggers this inspiration to become a better human. So it was an amazing experience. So I come back to Calgary, Alberta after this. And I'm like, hey, Calgarians, let's let's live together, right? And I flat out offended some people. Offended. (laughs) They said, what what do you mean? You think I'm doing so bad I can't afford my own place? You think I want to go back to a frat house? I've lived with people in college before. Do you think I haven't even evolved out of my college mindset? And they were offended. Some of them were legit upset that I raised the idea. Mm. And here you are building a startup around it. There's my segue. Yeah. No, it's such an interesting point. And I think 
oftentimes co-living gets collapsed into a specific type of architectural experience. By that, I mean the renovated single family home. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna get four or five of my homies together. We're gonna rent out a single family home and all live in it. But the home was designed for a single family. And so one of the critical things in co-living and co-living just being so instrumental to the evolution of humans and to civilization itself, a meaningful connection with people, is it still needs that balance of private space and shared amenity. The spaces that we're building, the spaces that we're connecting have that balance where an individual can have their personal private space. If you want to be reclusive for a few days, great. But if you want to engage, you have that choice. And I think that architectural armature, if you will, is so paramount for the success of the co-living industry to move beyond some of these cultural stereotypes that we have that collapse co-living into these specific types of things like dorms or single family homes. I'm assuming you've lived in co-living before? Yeah, I went to the Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture and I was there for seven years or so. And that's a co-living experience. I mean, you're living in a community of students, about 25 students and some of Wright's original crew and faculty and what and preservationists. And it was, yeah, a co-living experience. And it was really instrumental in getting direct experience around what works, what doesn't work, how do you do this well? And if you look at the market segment, I mean, from the numbers, we've got 35 million digital nomads expected to grow to 1 billion by 2035. And people are like, I want to have community. I'm so isolated after COVID. I really deeply value that heart to heart connection. And they want to be able to run their businesses and have privacy and have a healthy life. And those are the types of facilities we're providing. When are you going to be live? Well, we've been leasing spaces the last year or so. And now we're moving into post Techstars, raising capital for the individual locations. One of the things that I find is often, in my experience, it's like building an intentional community is way jumping the gun. Before you have a community, you need to have an awesome culture. You need to have trust. To get trust, the best way, break bread for three months and then really move that trust flow building along. And so we've been leasing facilities the last year, moving into basically a process where we can start to acquire properties as a community, facilitating that co-buying of these locations and then knitting together existing locations. And that's what we're beginning to do right now is knitting together the existing and raising capital to build from scratch. Because I'm going to buy a membership. It's going to happen right away. I, actually, to be fair, I, I'm pretty sure I would have bought one already because it's I'm out. In, <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm in Palo Alto right now for the last two months, and that's great. And there's a lot of reasons to be here. There's also a lot of reasons not to be. I say this with sad love towards my fellow Calgarian citizens there, but there's an overwhelming number of reasons for a startup founder to not be in Calgary, Alberta, or in the vast majority of Canadian cities. This isn't a, a hit on Calgary. This is just Calgary's one of the better. Calgary's one of the better ones, right? So there's a lot of reason to not be there. I'm going to go travel, man. I've done this digital nomad thing for two years before. When I sold my last company, I did digital nomad traveling everywhere. And I did not bump into a place that had one single membership where I would be accepted and embraced no matter where I went. I guess I think of it like a WeWork. Instead of co-working, it's like a co-living. Yeah. And one of the things that we think is really, really critical is the ownership piece. And so as a Cohere member, when you contribute and provide a bona fide service to the network, you gain equity in Cohere. And we believe that's so important to align incentives. Because really what we're after is like, there's so many of us who want this lifestyle and are really working our asses off on how to build a better functioning system in wherever domain may be. And so what we're after is anytime a Cohere member contributes, they get more equity. And as we grow the value of the whole, that equity goes up. It's tokenized. It has liquidity. You actually get the exit pre-event. And that starts to build that incentive where 
if I work with my mates, if I collaborate, if I steward, I'm actually increasing my own financial position versus in our current economic model, whoever cuts down the forest first wins or whoever undercuts the next guy wins. And we want to completely reverse that economically. Inside of our system, you actually get paid to contribute. Your contributions actually increase your financial standing directly. What kind of contributions contribute? A whole litany. It can be from, on one side, investment of cash or land or assets, all the way to the other side of if you want to be the community chef, if you want to help build out a permaculture garden, if you want to come build out a property, all of that is eligible to gain equity. And what that does is it starts to allow us to organize people around a superordinate goal. And as people see the acceleration of climate change and as people see geopolitics getting even crazier, there's this growing demand of like, well, shit, I want to have a community. I want to be really grounded and rooted in a place. And I want to have the ability to be a global citizen as I am. And that's where we're facilitating. In the network state principles, one could project out into the future as a possible future that in the space of, let's say, California in a geographic sense, there could be 20 or more countries with physical land owned here in this one geographic space that the citizenship of that country would grant permission and access to. Now, let's assume that we've sorted out police in terms of criminal and physical violence, sorting all that out in military and, and borders and customs and security. Let's assume that all that has already been sorted out. Big assumption, but let's just not go there right now. Let's assume that this works and we got 20 countries touching border to border. Well, there's got to be some way to represent how you get into these countries and what you have in these countries and what you don't have. And when I look at the model that you're presenting with the co-living on a, whatever we want to call it, a franchise basis or a, or a multi-location basis, however it is, when I go to a WeWork in San Francisco, I feel like I'm walking into my home. You could say, I'm like I'm back home. I'm at my office. I say home because I'm a workaholic and I spend more, probably more time at the office than home. Other people might be like, what are you talking about? No, no. I Literally, WeWork is like my half home. And then when I, when I get out of San Francisco and I go to, let's say, Santa Monica, like I did a couple of weeks ago, and I go to WeWork in Santa Monica, I'm still home. I'm still at my office. And that's the feeling that I get and the sense. And that can be multiplied anywhere on earth. The concept of doing that from an actual home in a living environment, from a, a kitchen to kitchen, from community to community, from bed to bed, this to me is directly connected in an indisputable way with some of the potential future visions of what the network state will become. 100%. 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. And especially for those of us who really are fine-tuning our work to be an expression of our lives and really reducing that, for better or worse, you know, really like living our work, it becomes even more paramount, at least for my experience, to dial in that work-life space. Because as you were noting before, as an entrepreneur, a big piece of it is, who are your friends? Who are the, your like mates doing incredible work right now? And so a WeWork can provide that, but it's really the breaking bread that is where deep connections are generally formed. And so that's what we're after. How do we provide the amenities you need to work, but then the amenities you need to really connect to other human beings on the deepest of levels and build those relationships that empower businesses and empower life? How did you first find out about the network state concepts? Did you start reading about Network State before or after you started founding Cohere? Hard to say, honestly, a little bit of both. I mean, the Network State to me is just the next evolution of civilization. If you look at what Europe, the reduction of wars in Europe, or what the United States has been able to do, the organizations, like as these larger entities like the EU form, how much they reduce the risk of war, and then what happens beyond that. 
has always just felt like the natural evolution of civilization. So it's been something I've always been interested in. But yeah, I would say with Cohere, yeah, of course, that inquiry has gone much deeper into like, how do we actually do it? What are the specific mechanics to localize decision making and bite off a small enough chunk that we can get the seed sprouted has been a big piece of our research and contributions in the space. Interesting. Sometimes I, I try to visualize you know, how far out are we from some of this happening? So then I, I have to ask your vision in five years from now, what does this look like for Cohere? You've got what, like 20 locations, one membership goods in anywhere. And I am a digital nomad. So paint me a vision and anyone else that's listening that I want to be a part of. Like, how does that look and feel? And who does the dishes? Yeah. Our goal is over the next 10 years to get a thousand locations up. And what we see as essential here is that we're not trying to build all of those ourselves as a community. We're networking together the leaders in the space that are already doing the epic work and by federating them, by connecting them to help them accelerate. So we're taking a very decentralized approach. Now, we are financing and building and managing HQs, if you will, in like the flagships. Like, okay, this is how we really believe is the creme la creme best practices. But really, if we're going to make a difference in the network, say, if we're going to scale this, it's about connecting the existing infrastructure and accelerating them. And the more we can stack collaboration, the more successful we are going to be. We believe that if we can niche and then find everybody else's niche and help other people niche, then we can actually accelerate this movement. Instead of competing to be the best, it's like, no, no, no. A healthy system, a healthy forest is because it's the most collaborative forest. The more trees send nutrients to other trees, the better that tree is and the better the forest is. Darwinianism is a little bit outdated. Anyway, so what I'm trying to get at is in five years, our goal is to have hundreds of locations up and operating and optimized and really have dialed in what it looks like for a member to participate in coming into a location to help build from scratch or all the way to doing the dishes and just really having more of our governance and cultural systems coalesced and a host of locations for people to be posted up in. So this is kind of like a, the vision I'm getting here is like an Airbnb, but for co-living. Yep. And member-owned Airbnb for co-living, really focused on impact entrepreneurs or impact makers or change makers. And we really believe that the climate is accelerating in its rate of change. That's obvious. That is science that forest glacier is a real thing, that things are accelerating, and that if we can get ahead of the curve a little bit and build out communities that are member-owned and actually invest in the physical infrastructure to build out the farms, the food systems, the water retention, then not only is that the best investment any one of us could make, but it also increases our like the quality of and vitality of our lives. And that's what we're after is like, how do we get ahead of the curve a little bit and create these systems where lots and lots of thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people can be building these types of facilities. What was your first co-living? My first co-living? And I'm asking because people that are listening to this, some of them have been in co-living. Some of them have not. Some of them think about it like most people do. Oh, it's some sort of frat house and for poor people. And it's just a way to save money. And that's not a very desirable future that I would aspire to be. I would do it if I had to but nothing less. And it's a step backwards in my life. These are the emotions that I bumped into going to Calgary trying to talk about co-living. Now, when I'm in California, that pretty much doesn't exist. If anything, California might be almost a hub, a center point for what co-living could be or, or should be. But what was your first co-living? And you can give us some details on yeah. that so people can understand. I would say my first proper co-living experience was the Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture. Like it's kind of fits, it kind of doesn't because it's also a university. So it's a different thing in a way. 
But after that, the next co-living, I've been kind of in and out of co-living types of experiences most of my life. The way I grew up, my family was just very much community oriented. We weren't like sharing space with other families, but we'd always have potlucks and always like vibrant connection to the neighborhoods. Most recently, starting Cohere is probably like my first proper co-living experience. Are you in a co-living right now? At the very moment, I'm not, but we will be here in November again. And yeah, I would say that it's ripe time to recreate the brand of co-living and move people out of the stereotypes into like, oh my gosh, this is the most exciting way I could ever live. How in the world would I ever not do this? Because co-living isn't necessarily an intentional community. It isn't a frat house. It isn't all of these things. But people don't know that. They haven't seen it done well. I mean, there's the outsides that are like doing great and there's others. But how do we show this in more co-op, decentralized, Web3 type of way? Is your vision to connect and link up with certain Web3 companies and do something like that? Or are you more sort of on your own for now? Or? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I've been definitely like exploring partnerships with a whole litany of amazing Web3 companies. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I mean, what we've done in Cohere is we've tokenized our securities so that when someone contributes to Cohere, they're getting basically private equity of Cohere. So it's a little bit different than an NFT or like in some of the other tokens, it's actual security in Cohere, meaning it's regulated, meaning it's also a bridge to traditional capital. But yeah, like Recommend Foundation, Moshi, a whole slew of amazing Web3 companies that are in their niche that, yeah, the more we can collaborate and network, the better. Have you read The Network State by Bology, Bology's book? Not properly, honestly. I think everyone should. Honestly, I've only been through half so far. But the thing is, I picked up so much in the first quarter. I'm like, oh, yeah, all of a sudden these connections started to expand and I, and I get it now. When are we going to get you in on some CityDAO Discord stuff here and some conversations? Oh, man, I would love to. I love what CityDAO is doing. And one of the things that has been interesting this last several months going through this accelerator is like all of my time has been on that. And now that, that we're done, it's like, I feel like I'm coming back out. Yes, I'm excited to plug in more actively into the community. Are you free on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Mountain Time to join in our community call? Love to have you there and have you say hi to people. Yeah, man, let's do it. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, just join up in the Discord and we'll we'll be in the town hall center, whatever it's called. You'll you'll see it there. Cool. Yeah, I'd love to. One of the things I really respect about City Dow is how big of a game you guys are taking on. It's such like an amazing, huge vision. Yeah, I think it's really cool. We've been really like trying to focus on how do we do the smallest little thing of like, how do we build these small little innovation hubs around the world that can then grow and like scale up to support the bigger vision holders? So anyway, I, yeah. Well, it's like you said, it's a rainforest ecosystem and everything plays a part. Like if the rainforest didn't have bugs, right? There'd be no rainforest. Yep. And on the flip side, of course, bugs need the rainforest to survive. It's a symbiotic relationship. And the same thing goes with the 20,000 different species of plants. A lot of them are deeply connected to each other. Some plants are needed in order to reach up high to the sun. Some plants are needed to keep the tree canopy down low. Some trees are needed for the way they decompose and form the soil. And leaves are needed to keep the sun off of that soil so it retains its moisture. It's all an interesting. And so when you say CityDAO's vision is really big and broad, it certainly is. But I mean, so is yours. I mean, we were thinking about if you're able to execute on and, and help bring to life thousands of decentralized, well, decentralized, well, let's just say hubs, digital nomad hubs, and connect it through one membership, we're starting to get into network state territory in a very big way. And CabinDAO is doing some interesting stuff. And Nation 3 is pushing forward right now. And Afropolitan is putting forth their citizenship right now or in the midst of it. And we're all doing this together. Well, part of my vision is to be able to connect us all a little bit better. 
It makes me wonder, like, I wonder if we should have a, whether it's a different Discord channel. It's weird because some people don't like Discord, so I don't know how to deal with that yet. But I wonder if there should be like some sort of a network state primary communication place where only, let's say, just to simplify it though, it would be probably only founders or ambassadors of each network state related venture. So maximum two people from each venture, let's say, and the community can pick who those two people are, whatever it happens to be. Or maybe it's a rotating and different people come up every time. That, that's probably ideal to stay in the decentralized format. But you can't have like a thousand people from one group and then one from another. It doesn't make a good conversation, I think. No, I think that's a great idea. No, I think that's super needed, man. And it's like, I was just talking to buddy Scott and we're talking about this around like, what is the minimum lift of coordination? With Cohere, our whole piece is that anyone can become an owner. We want people to contribute and then co-own Cohere with us. And we really believe that when people literally own the interstitial tissue that's connecting one part of the rainforest, now there's an incentive to come together. There's an incentive. And so that same thinking can be extrapolated across a meta network. We have an entity called Brightbridge, which is really where we develop our IP around these different economic systems. I'm trying not to focus on that until we really get Cohere up and operating. But this system, like the, the Game 3, the meta-modernist, the Regenaissance, whatever, is really seems to be coming down to a coordination system, like issue. If we can better coordinate our orgs and find the win-wins and really keep out of like, there's this like subtle ego play sometimes where people are like, oh, well, but we're solving that. We're saving the world by solving that. It's like, okay, fuck me. No, yes, I'm saving yes. the world. And, yes, we all are. <laughs> we're all working on it. But how do we niche and then find the edges of our orgs so that we can amp each other? Because we do have a super organic goal. It is really important as a collective of humanity right now to do something differently. Our lives depend on it, literally. And so not to be doomsday, but like, let's see what's going on on the planet and let's use that inspiration and hope to work together and step beyond the I own this thing to no, no, we're doing this together. We own it together. Let's please collaborate and find how we support each other and accelerate it because otherwise it's not that great. As a founder, what are some of the opportunities you see in the market right now that you haven't seen a startup for or that no one's really succeeded in doing? To me, the member-owned real estate is really huge. And like the contribute to earn piece hasn't really been well cracked. And that's why we've been focusing on it. But that's one bucket. I mean, I think just member-owned lots of things. Like what if there's a member-owned healthcare system? Wouldn't that be great? Like why don't we have that? Or a member-owned farmer's network? But again, there are incredible orgs focusing in everything imaginable right now. And so it's like such an explosion of creativity right now because people are waking up to the need. So any industry I would note, I would feel like there's actually probably someone I already know who's rocking it in that space. And Techstars was good for you? It was a good experience? Yeah, it was. It, it really was. I mean, I'm glad we did Techstars over Y Combinator from what I understand. That seems to be a better match. And just like really, like Techstars is really focused on community. Again, like we're stronger together. And that's really germane to their ethos, which we really resonate with. It's interesting to see a network state related co-living stuff. I mean, depending on how you want to word it. Because when I say a network state related venture, no one knows what that means, right? I know what that means because it's something I say a lot, but it could be DAO tooling related. It could be big vision related. It could be media related. It could be co-living related. It could be fill in the blank related, uh, whatever it happens to be. There's, there's a lot of different aspects to the concept of the network state. And so what I find really cool is when there's a network state related venture that gets funding, like CityDAO in the crowd space, but more specifically with Cohere in the, let's say a little bit more traditional, formal VC slash accelerator world. That to me is really interesting. Do you think in five years from now, or even let's say in the next bull run, 
Do you think that we're going to see a dramatic increase in the quantity of network state related ventures? Or do you think we're farther out? Is it going to be a slower curve than that? No, I think it's it's coming lightning fast. I mean, I think that who was saying it the other day uh, that they believe that only companies with really strong network effect are going to make it. And I don't know if that's too extreme or not, but I do believe that it is going to become all paramount in business and already is. And one of the things that we're really focused on is how to create viral network effect loops where there's always an incentive. There's always a symbiotic like toroidal field, if you will, of feedback to then accelerate the network growth. And I think that companies that crack that can leverage the social media to a whole new level. And if we can do that for doing good in the world, I believe then we can really, really accelerate things as people wake up to some of the needs that are pressing. I wonder when the first network state conference is going to happen. And I wonder like, because like conferences are like a staple that people like to go to. But I mean, if anyone that, that saw what happened at NFT London recently might say, oh, let's not do a conference. <laughs> what happened? To, I, I missed it. What happened to NFT London this year? Well, what I saw from the tweets was just photos of big, giant, empty, expensive rooms. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Basically, yeah, just no one really showed up. And it could be because there's so much happening in San Francisco. I got to say, like, San Francisco, it's got to have more crypto-related events than I've ever even imagined in my life. Easily two, three, four, five, six events to choose from every single day, it seems like, nonstop. Yeah, probably up to a dozen Telegram groups pumping out and shilling different events to go to, to just show up and network and meet and brainstorm and collaborate and theorize. I just feel like there's so much benefit to getting people like you, people from CityDAO, from Afropolitan, you know, Nation3, CabinDAO, and a whole bunch of interesting thought leaders related to the space, even tooling companies like, like DWORK or whoever else, and getting us all together somehow to have collaborative discussions. Now, I would love to house that. I would love to get those orgs physically in a place. We're looking at castles because so we haven't had much of a European presence yet. And there's so much undervalued real estate in the form of renovated castles in Europe. And so we're looking at just really sweet venues that we can lease to own as a community in Europe next year. Because like, I think it's a great start just to like get a thread going. Great. That's powerful for sure. But really, it's like, I don't know how many conversations I've had with sister orgs and it's like, yeah, let's let's collaborate. But nothing happens because we actually haven't broken bread for long periods of time. And so I would love to go here, host an amalgamation of our like these leading orgs for like a month and really let the collaboration marinate. Interesting. Yeah, I think we should. I know that Eche from Afropolitan has a big background in events. Have you ever chatted with him before? If not, I should connect you guys. Oh, yeah, please do. No, I would love to. Interesting. So let's see, where do we go from here? I mean, this is like a new dawn for the network state coming up, this new year coming up. The book came out, CityDAO is on the map. There's so many projects that are on the map. You just went through your accelerator. 2023 is a year that's somehow, in my mind, it's going to be a 10x growth on the concepts of the network state. Now, we're starting from tiny. We're starting from almost nil three years ago. So to do a 10x growth from 2022 to us is huge, but to the macro context of the globe is just a, a drop in the bucket. But it creates that momentum that starts to spiral and spin off to whatever comes in the future. And we don't really know yet because this is a social experiment, in my words, that, that we haven't really figured out. We're all pioneers on this space. And so I try to like figure out where this is going to be next year and how can we all just properly stay connected and work together. So yeah, it'd be awesome if you come out to this community call here on Wednesday. Yeah, I will. What do you think? What else is on your mind? What's, what's some of the big stuff you're working on right now that you want to talk about here? 
Yeah, a big piece right now is really systematizing the direct real estate investment into some of the specific properties because we have the ability for people to invest into Cohere for security tokens in Cohere and then Cohere acquires the property, then divests it into trust and then leases that property back to itself. And then we're looking at different preservation tokens and carbon credit tokens and layering in as many sister orgs as we can, basically to raise capital as a collective, because why not? Like, why not find the ways that like 10 of our orgs can plug in together and we create the next level of investment return because we have all these revenue streams. Anyway, so there are, we're constantly like one of the things with Cohere is just like the culture of experimentation and we're constantly refining these models and how do we develop out the pieces. Yeah, we're launching our Circle community here. We're going to be leveraging using Circle and launching that here within probably mid-November or so and really starting to build, yeah, bring in the leaders who want to co-create with Cohere. And one of the things that like I'm constantly experimenting with is inside of the Web3 culture, everyone's an early adopter. You know, everyone's about like, we're here together because we want to build the thing. And so it's interesting as a company building an online community of change makers, how refined does that need to be? If we put out an online space that's too refined, is that actually a detriment? Because then our community can't tell us what they want to co-build with us. So that's something that we're constantly looking at. How soon can we be leveraging what? And so anyway, that's something that we're in the inquiry of. It's like, how soon can we really open up to the larger community? And what NVF or MVP do we need to do that most effectively? Do you reach out to existing co-living groups to see if they want to amalgamate in? Yeah, for sure. And we've gotten really good feedback. Right now, everyone's just like, oh, great. That sounds good. Let me know next steps. And so we've been defining those next steps. There's existing co-living communities. And then there's a whole slew of people who own property and want to develop out a village. And what we've been talking to with people all over the planet is, great, we can facilitate that by first building out an innovation hub. And Cohere builds that out, basically a Cohere co-living place. And we build that out as a, a seed to a much larger thing. So we're talking like there's a property, Como Orchards in Montana. We're in conversation with the Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture. We're in conversation. They've got one in Ecuador all over. And so that's what we're really excited about is Cohere sets up a small seed and then helps become the impetus and the flywheel for a much, much larger development. Because like any good permaculturalist will know, you can't design for a site or a city or for much infrastructure until you're actually on the land and you really experience it. So what's that NVF for infrastructure? And what is the school that you're mentioning? I'm, I'm not familiar with it. The School of Architecture. What is that called again? The Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture. Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture. Gotcha. We'll put a link to that in the show notes to the episode too, if anyone that wants to research that. Yeah. It's recently changed names. I forget what it's called now, but yeah, it's a really interesting school. It sounds like, I mean, it's the birthplace of your ideas and introduction to co-living and led to the network state. It's probably a huge part of your journey here. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Awesome. Well, Dakota, this has been a great chat. I want to keep in touch definitely and see you on the Wednesday call. We can collaborate a little bit more in there. I really want to bridge the gap here. And, and I mean, this is a time for building. This is crypto winter. This is where we can all start to build these and foster these relationships that cross these boundaries and, and present a united front. So I'm super stoked about this. Anyone listening, remember to tune in on Wednesday, 4 p.m. Mountain Time on the CityDAO Discord. There's a link to the Discord in the show notes to this episode in case you don't know where that is. And we'll see you there. I'm Meme Brains. Remember to just ping me anytime on Discord if you got some questions or ideas or suggestions or just some comments or some feedback, all that kind of stuff. Remember to just leave a also a five-star, if you like the show anyways, a five-star on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to this from. And a little one-liner review goes a long way. It's my only ask. And Dakota, anything else you want to uh, wrap up with here? No, just, yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Really appreciate your time. 
to share. We've got to keep in touch. We've got to hear these updates. I want to put together updates from every major network stake-related venture and put it into one source, whether it's a video or just an audio or a written. And like trying to coordinate updates from like 20 different network state ventures, it's difficult. <laughs> I haven't really fully cracked the code on how to do that in a bootstrapped fashion without begging volunteers. <laughs> I've got a buddy, Dylan Toll, who's been developing at a really sweet Notion document for this. So I'll connect you guys. I think he's building out some really good tooling that I think can serve as a really great starting point. I think that's like the biggest thing for all of these is like, let's just start scrappy. Let's just start the thing, whatever tooling we need. Shit, it can be a Google Doc for now. But just getting that connection, I think, will really accelerate the whole movement. Sweet. No, that's awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to connecting with them and, and to helping this go to the next level, right? Let's get people engaged and let's keep building, man. So it's great to have you on the show. Dakota, we'll keep in touch for sure. And I'm really excited to hear your progress. Thank you, brother. Have a good one. All right, guys. Have a good one. Peace.